Coxie, Doctor, Doug and Ted J.D. on the Tarago bed Foves Podcast That's my Fove connection And then years later A band pops up called the Foves yep. And starts rocking around the country They must be art students <laughs> They were generally a well regarded and everyone wanted to play with them. Every muso was a fan, fan of the foes. The, the loser thing, the, the, the perennially talking themselves down. That is, that's the ex, absolute archetypal fove way. Self deprecate. Dougie's down vibe is to this day one of the great things of the music industry that Australia's ever produced. I think. People still yeah. talk to me about Shred. I don't know that the Foes will have any legacy within the Australian um, recording industry. They never sounded the same from record to record. The writers and recording artists, and that's that's what they still are. They're still together because of that, and more power to them. They actually weren't too cool for school. They didn't play any airs and graces. They didn't dress in black. Tism used to think that the Foes were a proper rock band. Uh, would religiously get there early and watch their set and uh, you know, all the foes wanted was crowds the scale and size of tism hello welcome to foves are the best people a new podcast that will review every song from the legendary rock group the foves i am john and i am michael welcome aboard michael <sighs> it's been a long time coming hasn't it been I think we first started talking about this back 2017. A long time, even before the pandemic, I think, yeah. Yeah, 2016, 2017, yeah. And it just takes time because I want people to understand that uh, John has put in a lot of time and effort to, well, you're going to explain it anyway, but it's just basically Mm. we're getting all the information. So it's not just like, yeah, we are big fans. We're not, you know, professionals or anything like that. But, Mm. well, that's the thing. We're big fans, but we have spoken to a lot of people to deliver this content exactly now so just clear out make sure that people are here that should be here this is a podcast devoted to the australian band the foves so if you're here because you're a fan of the the french artistic movement and matisse or or any of those painters then i'm afraid you're out of luck Mm. now when youtube first came on board many decades ago now michael there i was shocked to discover that there were other bands also called the foves I think one's in America, one's in mm. France, maybe. So, if you're here for it, for any of them, congratulations. Your band also has a terrible name. <laughs> um, but, you know, bugger off and start your own podcast because this is about the one and only Foves from Mornington Peninsula, Victoria, Australia. So, Mike, I'm a guy from Melbourne. I was born here all my life. I met you about 10 years ago. What about you? Where, where are you now, Michael? What, what are you doing? Okay, sure. And um, so, yeah, Michael, I'm also known as a zoologist, just in case it accidentally slips out as we talk. So, don't get confused <laughs> if we mention it. Um, and yeah, I've been, I'm originally from Canberra and I I started seeing them in Sydney because they would do it back then in the early days, early 90s, doing, doing the tours, probably 92, 93. And mm. saw them the very first time in 1993 at the Canberra in the Asylum. That's the name of the- uh, venue and yeah then I eventually moved to Melbourne in 99 and I mean we're going to get into this as we go along about 
in between 93 and 99 about my uh, affiliation with the Foves. But obviously from then onwards in Melbourne, I would see them every single time as much as I possibly could. And I met John, yeah, probably 10 years ago or 2006 at least or something or 07 because I remember giving John um, a bunch of burnt faux CDs because I said, I asked, you mentioned that you're a fan or something and you're through a mutual friend and I just thought I'd give you some <laughs> collections of their stuff that you might not have had. And yeah, that's how it became our friendship of the fanship between John and I regarding the foes and then when we met we started going to the foes gigs together in melbourne so yeah see the foes is always bringing people together michael i remember that party it was 2007 somewhere in preston mm. um it came out that i was you're a massive fan of the foes our mutual friend dave he goes oh michael's a big fan of the foes yeah and then i i think i remember asking you oh do you like the foes and i'm pretty sure within a few seconds you flicked your hair and started singing giving up <laughs> drinking and I just knew from that moment, such a, a deep dive B-side that uh, we were going to be fast friends. So, the foes certainly bring people together, Michael. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I mean, it just going from the beginning of it, it uh, my cousins are about three years older than me. So, they were already 18, 19, going to gigs. I wasn't going to gigs yet. And they just tell, because I couldn't go to the gigs, I was underage. They're telling me about the story about them. The, and they pronounced it wrong. They called them the Forbes, you know, it was so funny. And um, yeah, misguided modelling career, ghosting a road, the first two lots I heard and I was sort of hooked on and a bit estranged about it and, you know, it was, took me a little while but I just thought oh, I'll have to see them when they come live, which I eventually did in 93 and 94 um, and yeah, that's the beginning of it all. For me, Michael, I, I, know, you, I know you're sick of this story. I first saw them in 98 uh, as a 15-year-old at... Uh, uh, part of the Caveat Emp Tour tour with Regurgitator and Tism. Mm-hmm. Saw them at Festival Hall in Melbourne. And I was a huge Gurge fan, but and I still am, of course. Bought all their records, but I came out just obsessed with the Foves. Basically, I think just from the banter, I just, who is this guy yeah. up the front, like, cracking these jokes? Like, as a 15-year-old, I even saw then Coxie was sort of, he was cutting through the pomposity of rock and sort of, you know, looking over to Doctor when something went wrong and, I came out of that gig and I bought within a week or two at HMV Northland Surf City Limits, uh, the single, back when they had singles. And, yeah, that was the start of my love affair with the band. So, a few years after you and probably a lot later than some of the people listening to this episode. But um, it just goes to show you how they just click. Some bands just click with you and you know they're going to stay with you for Mm. the rest of your life. So, that happened for me in 98. But, uh, yeah. Same. Well, Michael... We might just tell people a little bit about this podcast. So, we're basically just two uber fans of the band. You know, we're not claiming to be the most knowledgeable, but we've done a bit of research and we're we're basically creating a podcast that we wish already existed. Yeah? Yeah. Let's just start off light and funny. What are your f- sort of, do you have any candidates for your favourite Fove song, Michael? Like, say your top five? Would that yeah, be asking I've- a bit much? It is, but um, let's just go for it and try to narrow it down as much as possible because I have sort of previously thought a little bit about this because mm-hmm. you just know these questions are going to be asked and spoken about when we're talking about Foe's Big Fan Podcast. So, I'll go for songs I really love. I do, I've always loved Campfire King, of course. I have no idea why. Just uh, just loved it when I got to that track and I just love singing along to it. And um, later on, just I'm always loving Coxie's sense of humour and when he did Australian Gigolo, I just thought that's just so hilarious, the funniest thing ever, so catchy. 
And I've been lucky enough to <laughs> sing those songs with Coxie and the Doctor acoustically. So that was uh, um, lucky me. But um, also Skateboard <laughs> World Record, that's always a fun song. And yeah. um, then it just gets really hard to narrow it down from there. Um, you know, phasing you in, birthday at sea, common assessment task, um, over the line, hand solos. It's not 74 anymore, cult style thinking. And um, over the line. Yeah, I, I really like that one. It's just due to, it's just really upbeat and fun. And mm. I, I think it's the song's a B side, an obscure one. This is the last one I'm going to say. I know you asked for five, but I rattled off a few. But, um, <laughs> it's too hard. It's too hard. It is. Uh, there's one called He Wants His Own Show Tonight or something, and I can never think of the exact title. I always call it Roller Coaster Man. It's a doctor beside. <laughs> it's hilarious. And I remember talking to Doug about it once, and um, he says, I just can't even remember that song when we, you know, recorded that. Anyway. Yeah. I think that's She's Down on the Coast, but- Yes. Yeah. I've never thought much about that song, but um, on this podcast, we are going to review every song, every song released by them anyway on a on a CD. So- all these things, listeners, they're just our opinions. We've done around, four, well, I've done around 40 hours of interviews, both mm. with the band and other key players in their history. So, where we can, we're always going to try and have the band's own words to describe things, their best memories. And one of the big interviews we did was back in 2017 with Doctor and Coxie, and they sort of set the tone of, of uh, our style of interviewing for all the good and the bad. Uh, full acknowledgement, we know fuck all about sport. Well, I don't know anything about sport. Uh, uh, do you, Michael? Are you a big sports fan? Cricket and no, AFL? No. Not a big sports fan at all. So, yeah, no affiliation with it. So, with that in mind, every time they mention sport, and they do quite a lot, <laughs> that's fair enough. We're going to leave it in and just make no commentary or ask any intelligent questions because, you know, we know fuck all about it. Uh, we are beta males. So, yeah, tell us a bit more about the podcast, Michael. We're going to discuss every Foves track released in order. So, chronological order. We're going to do our best with that. And that's like beginning from When Luck Ran Out all the way to Sinking Feeling. So, we've got over 254 songs. I'm pretty sure that's about right. Mm. And if you have a favourite Foves song or Foves memory, please send us an audio file. Because, I mean, that just makes it so much easier. We can hear your unique you voice, your excitement in your voice about that song. Um, And that can be featured on the relevant episode. So, if you are such a big fan like us or you can work it out and look it up online or something just to see what songs are coming up next in order, be prepared, get ready, start recording an audio (laughs) file about that favourite song or even maybe a little bit about the album or something, like an overview that – that we could probably use. And like our Foves memories, we're talking about how excited we got. Our website, just to let you know, is fovespodcast.com. One word. One word. And you can keep in contact at this email address. So it's contact at fovespodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And we'll also organize a Facebook page, which will probably be the same sort of thing or mm-hmm. called Foves are the best people, and we'll make sure that we'll always update the uh, links um, in the comments and everything wherever you get this podcast from. And once again, www.foespodcast.com. Well said, Michael. Yeah, in honour of Jim Fix, we're going to pace ourselves like a a long-distance runner, 
And um, who knows, maybe a new episode weekly and then a month off or so between each CD. And I understand you're not going to join us on every song, are you, Mike? There's a few early ones you'll, you're going to say no to, yeah? <laughs> yeah, and it's just I really thought about this through the way I became a Foves fan. It was funny, like, it was always a joke. Like, I actually heard those promotional demos. So, you had misguided modelling career and Ghost in the Road go, wow. And then it just went on and went, what's all this stuff I'm just not enjoying? But we still <laughs> had the running joke about them and I thought I've got to go see them live. And it's just over time, certain singles, Thin Body, Thin Body, bits and pieces that I liked, but not the full thing. But it wasn't more until um, probably when the Caesar Surrender EP came out and I'm the B-sides to that and then onwards, everybody's got a three-piece. I followed everything and loved, genuinely loved everything. So, I thought it's better that I speak um, on the song where I really became a fan. But there are quite a few bits and pieces of early songs I do like. And, yeah, I just thought I'd make that decision because there's probably a bit to get through before, um, not that much, but, you know, I just want to keep it fresh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you're a medium pacer. You don't want yeah. to keep some of your powder dry, whereas mm. I've got to look through all of them. But fortunately, they're such a great band. There's little, there's little mm. chaff mm. to sort through. But, um, Michael, tell us a little bit more about yourself before we wrap up. What Have you done any other podcasts? Oh, yes, I have. Um, I'm just about wrapping up my podcast. It's true, all of it. We haven't even really recorded an episode for a while and we were officially supposed to finish in 2021 or so. And I just sort of kept it going because it was a Star Wars fan podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all. We're just talking about everything and the stuff always coming out all the time and it's just hard to keep up. Um, so, I've had that experience and I've been on a lot of live streams as well through the Star Wars fan club, Star Walking. And that's another big, massive thing I'm into. And just, it's great because you're excited. You'll hear it in my voice in this one. Hopefully, these podcasts should work because I'm loving what I'm talking about. Great. Well, I, I also did and do Dirty Harry Minute where we review every minute of that 1971 classic film starring Clint Eastwood. Dirty Harry. So that's sort of wrapped up now, and this is my new project. So I definitely could persevere. Just to explain, we reviewed every minute of the film. So minute zero to one, we talked about that for however long, 20 minutes. Minute one to two, and so on, and so on. So every minute we talked talked about it. So I knew if I can do that, I can do this. What's the difference between 100 episodes, 100 minutes of a movie, and 250 songs? So yeah, that's my background. We've both done podcasts and we're dedicated to our craft, Michael, but we're not journalists, okay? So, in the Fove story, we're basically going to concentrate on the, the what, the where, the why, and the how. And once again, we'll let the band members speak where we can and we'll try to get out of their way. So, while I'm here, um, I'm going to give a shout out to some other Australian music podcasts that have come on board recently online and I'm really digging them. There's, there's Listen Carefully. Uh, interviews a lot of Australian musicians and foreign musicians too in short sort of uh, 30-minute episodes about the career. Very fascinating. There's Seha Vogel's podcast, the Rewind podcast, where they focus on albums. They did two playing. That was a great three-parter and other, other releases. And the newest one, Just Ace, Australian Alternative. Danny Yao is reviewing alternative music in Australia, whatever the hell that means. So that's been listening, been listening to that. 
Damien Cowell had his old podcast. I don't know what the name of it was. I never can remember, but it was very funny. And yeah, these are some of the sort of inspired me recently. I don't know if you have any, Michael, you listen to. I think there was a, there might be Giants one or something, but um, they're thinking along the similar lines as us. And yeah, we want to shout out those podcasts because they're, uh, they're very good. Do you have any, Mike, that you, any podcasts you want to recommend? Not many music ones, really. There was a few that were in depth about classical music, especially Star Wars music, but it was a while ago. I can't remember and I haven't <laughs> continued to follow it. It's just because I've been listening to a lot of other ones. A couple of examples, Star Wars ones like Conversations um, by Pat and Charles, some um, guys in the USA have become good friends with them, got to come visit them mm-hmm. in Florida. So, been, that's been fantastic that we've been on each other's show, finding each other through the podcasting community. And another one, I just you can't go past, Arnie, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold's Pump Club. And that's really good because he's saying research suggests if you eat a cup of blueberries, you know, it'll reduce heart stroke. It's, it's, you're not saying this is the truth. This is what we looked into research and health and stuff and motivation. So that's pretty cool. I wonder what he says about isotonic drinks and Jim Fix, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Or, or um, tomato sauce massages. <laughs> <laughs> Well, great, Michael. I think that's about it for the moment. Um, yeah, so go to the website for further updates. Hopefully, we'll upload our first episode in the first week of January. But until then, Mike, would you like to hear a message from Quan Yeomans? He's left us one about the Foves. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Fantastic. Okay, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Quan from Regurgitator, just doing a... Testimonial for the Foves. Um, the Foves. Of all the bands that we've conclusively left in the dust cloud of our success, I would say that the Foves were definitely the least satisfying to look back at. Maybe because they were just such nice guys, apart from Teddy, who was always a bit of a drag. And meeting them on the way back down didn't seem particularly daunting. Maybe I found myself personally touched as I watched their sweetly pathetic career arc careened from tragedy to comedy and back again so poetically. Maybe it was just because the whole world of the foes was, in general, so entirely unenviable that it was like passing another fox on the boring single-carriage highway of 90s rock and roll. Who can say? I will say, though, that my overall feeling for them is still mixed at best. I so desperately wanted to be friends with them, except for Teddy, who, let's face it, was an unbearable drunk but not feel like I had to invest in their music in any way, shape, or form. This conundrum has haunted me for years, and still does from time to time when we play these 90s revival music festivals that seem to be all the rage at the moment. Every one of us has their awkward catch-ups, realise that our personalities grew further apart over time, not closer, and that both our band's music gets more obscure, more boring, and not better with age. Then broken, we crawl back to our regular lives with a reminder that we spent not an insignificant number of months of the best years of our lives sweating alongside these weird strangers. I think that's kind of beautiful, really. And I'd just like to thank them deeply for it. So thank you, Andrew, Adam, Phil, Jack, and not so much Teddy, for these weird times that we had and the awkward times to come. Love you guys. The Foves are a legendary Australian rock group formed in 1988. 
They have sold around 50,000 records, stretched over 11 albums, 3 EPs, and 20-odd singles. Though the single days must now seem like a faint memory. The band has never called it quits. Its members are best mates that catch up weekly, and their families are intertwined for multi-generations. They are a self-contained unit. Ironic, because they haven't sold that many of them. Although there was a seven-year hiatus between their last two albums, there has only been one lineup change in the past 35 years, a feat unparalleled in Australian rock history. The Foves, by all accounts, still play and create music because they love it and because they love each other. They have obtained top 60 chart positions, but only on two occasions and not for long. Rolling Stone Australia, when they used to review the band, awarded each of their albums three and a half stars. So they must be Australia's most successful, unsuccessful bands. The band have definite cult status, though we shouldn't belabor that point. On their 20th anniversary, journalist Lance Markham likened the Foves to a North Queensland cult. For those who have been indoctrinated, membership is a revelatory experience. Others tend to just walk past the large cyclone fence and peer through occasionally. And what about the music? The songs? Coxie songs are about highways, explorers, thwarted ambition, and the humbling ends to man's hubris. And Doctor? Well, he likes to sing about the sea, about being in a band, about anything that tickles his fancy. The band love to sing about ideals that are sold to us, and how they don't always stack up against the reality. Humour is never far away. But again, let's not overstate that point. The music is fucking great. The Foves have variously been called Australia's Rock Clown Princes, Chroniclers of the Australian Suburban Sprawl, even Eldamation humping the leg of the Australian record industry. Why are they not spoken of in the same breath as UMI, Regurgitator, or even Custard? Their music is out on the margin in a way. You know, you gotta go find it, man. You gotta go find it. Why do they not get called up on RN Drive to answer pat questions about what the 90s golden age of indie music was? Because they've seen it all. 
and they've never called up stumps. Coxie has long since given up turning his mind to these matters. We are just four guys in a band. We never really had somebody who has that classic voice. The voice is really important in rock music. Bernard Fanning has got that voice. I think conversely, it's also one of the reasons why we're still together. We never had to fall from very high. But because we are all great mates and we love making music, there was never really any reason to stop making it. Others say the group never took themselves seriously enough. Through fanzines like Shred, they let us peer behind the curtain a little too much. The band have said they use humour to make a point, but the point is often a little darker than what people initially pick up on. Quan Yeomans of Regurgitator explained his own band in a similar way. We survive on how much people don't know when we're pulling the leg and when we're pulling our own. A quick sketch of the band. They started in the late 80s, looking for a home among Melbourne's dissonant and eccentric indie scene. Drummer Doug drummed with the guitars, highlighting the internal rhythms of the riffs. Bassist Jack downtuned after a few years, anchoring the skewed riffs and holding down the bizarre time signatures. Doctor would provide a smaller number of concise pop confections to the group's early canon. Elsewhere, he'd puncture Coxie's songs with his mosquito sting guitar, adding another layer for a smudging effect. And he also just held the guitar well. Coxie would take centre stage, holding it all together with his announcements, contributing the greater bulk of original songs. Tales of personal woe, soon replaced by disaster songs and colonial reminiscence. His songwriting would be gloriously partsy for some time to come. The band signed with a major label, Polygram, after only a few short years. It was an awkward fit, to say the least. Some say they were hamstrung by the inconsistency of their releases, all tonally different and hard to market. And yet how is a band supposed to mature on record? Split Ends were an art rock band for half a decade 
before honing their succinct pop sensibilities. R.E.M. and the Great Hunters themselves all had time to develop on disc before they became the commercial juggernauts they became. The Fauves had always been deeply uncomfortable with the idea of self-promotion. While they were with Polydor, they could do one day of awkward interviews and then retire. After they left the label in 1999, they would have to be more hands-on. I think there was a time when I wanted to be as big a star as I could possibly be. The idea of rock and roll world domination was a genuinely appealing one. Their failure, if we need to put it in such terms, is only a lack of mainstream success. As a band, as musicians, as composers, as friends, they are the epitome of success and longevity. Their songs keep getting better with age. Their live performances are sharp and enjoyable. Notwithstanding the inevitable fuck-ups. Are the Fauves an acquired taste? Fuck off. Indie rock legend Dave Graney said, they make their own kind of sense and deliver it with real conviction. Another fan commented on YouTube, one day they'll be like Rodriguez Sugarman. So catch them while they're alive and say a prayer at the tomb of the unknown band. Get on with it. You bloody get on with it, ignorant. (laughs) 